This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940 KYNO. Well, good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host on our Valley's most informative real estate talk show. This hour is being brought to you by the Fresno Association of Realtors and the many, many realtors that we have and the very many affiliate members that we have. An affiliate member would be an escrow company, a lender, and in today's case, a natural hazard disclosure company. Um, but we can't forget all the realtors we have too, because we have one of the, one of those here too. Right, one of those that doesn't sound good, does it? <laughs> well, let me just get straight to the uh, introductions. <laughs> so first, well, I better introduce the realtor first, uh, and that would be Javier Cavazos, uh, soon to be 21 years in the business, and uh, you're the broker, owner, and chief bottle washer at Fusion Real Estate. <laughs> also bathroom cleaner, any any other title you can think of when you're a small one-man operation. All right. And I will say this about Javier. He's been very involved in real estate. So this has not been a uh, part-time thing for you. You've been involved in leadership. You've been in the trenches working. Yeah, 15 years I was part of the uh, leadership team there at the Fresno Association of Realtors in different, uh, different capacities and different com committees. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Who got you involved? Well, I got a late night phone call one time from a, uh, from a gentleman that I highly respect uh, by the name of Don Scordino who got me involved <laughs> in leadership. So very special thank you to you, sir. All right. And it wasn't a wrong number? <laughs> wasn't a wrong number. <laughs> okay. Although I was surprised to see your number pop up on my phone. <laughs> All right. Also here with us today is Javier's wife and colleague, and that is Lisa Swenning of Snap NHD. That's correct. Yes. Hello. Hello. Thank you for uh, having me. And how long have you been in this industry? For almost six years. Okay. What is NHD? A natural hazard disclosure is a report that is needed and required in all real estate transactions. So it's going to tell the buyer if it's in a flood zone, a fire zone, or there's other zones as well, earthquake, seismic, um, different things like that. It's also going to provide tax information and a whole bunch of other information that the buyers need to know about. Ah, I'm glad you said that about tax information. Yeah. Because when I hear of a natural hazard disclosure, you don't think of taxes as being a natural hazard, but I guess they are. <laughs> Financial hazard. It, right. it definitely can be. <laughs> right. And, and so we're going to get into that on the show, too. There's a thing called Mellow Roos. Yes, there is. That I think most people would roll their eyes and say, what's that? Right. Most but, of the, the things in the natural hazard, uh, the general public aren't aware of. They don't even know what an NHD is when they're signing it. So that's my job to educate not only the general public, but also realtors. Great. And that's why we're here today. Exactly why we're here yeah. today to educate the general public. And hopefully there's a f good handful of realtors listening too who can be educated on the importance of natural hazard. And what better 
year, time of year than right now to be thinking about natural hazards. Absolutely. I, I think it's um, front of mind. That's why I thought to call and say, you know, I think it's time to be on the show. <laughs> <laughs> People need to know about flooding and uh, even this summer, coming summer, fires, because we're going to have lots and lots of uh, brush up there. And also, I believe uh, a lot of maybe some landslide issues going on up in the hills. Ah, yeah. All the snow melting off and everything there. So, mm-hmm. you know, the big fires we had several years ago that really devastated the area up there, you know, create situations. Heavy rains and snow melt could create some landslide issues. Okay. This is going to be good to know. Um, let's get into just general disclosures first. It, and um, what... What's required in a real estate transaction as far as disclosures? Yeah, uh, there's definitely uh, a handful of disclosures the sellers are required to uh, complete. Um, you know, and in real estate, we have a lot of uh, acronyms for, for our disclosures. So uh, TDS, SPQ, AVID. Um, so that's the transfer disclosure statement, um, the seller property questionnaire. Those are usually two of the biggest ones, right? Because it gives, asks the most questions and gives the most information to the buyer about what's going on with the property. What's included, what's working, what's not working, have there been repairs? Um, so those are usually the, the first and foremost that we wanna make sure that uh, we're getting our sellers to complete. Why is it important to disclose a repair um, if it's already been fixed? Well, they definitely need to know if anything has happened in the past. Um, it, it could pop up again. Um, you know, if you had a roof leak 10 years ago, oh, repaired, no problem. And then all of a sudden we have a rainy season like we do and another issue pops up. Uh, if you hadn't disclosed that maybe 10 years ago that there was some type of repair and then now a roof leak pops up, you know, a buyer might be wondering, they should have probably maybe told me something was going on with the roof. So, or maybe a neighbor you know, pops over and says, oh yeah, you know, my neighbor's house flooded 10 years ago from a roof leak and that was never disclosed. So it's always best to disclose as much as possible. Yeah. And that's because the neighbors are going to come around And one of the best examples I can think of is, uh, we closed an escrow and there was no disclosures about, um, the sewer line clogging up. Well, the first week that the buyers are in there, sewer line clogs up, and one of the neighbors came over and said, why don't you use All Britain? Because that's who the uh, previous people used all the time. Uh, what do you mean all the time? Oh, yeah, they had them out here every few months. They've had all kinds of troubles for years. Mm-hmm. Then we went and looked at the, the um, sewer line pipe, and you could see the wrench marks on there. They were pretty <laughs> fresh. So it's like, why did that seller not disclose that? Yeah. I think um, when it comes down to the transaction, I think sellers sometimes get a little hesitant about over-disclosing because they're afraid that maybe no one's going to want their property or it's going to be harder to sell or they're going to ask me for a ton of money for repairs and stuff. So they become very hesitant. Um, which is definitely the wrong direction to go. It's always better to over-disclose than under-disclose. You really hate to have an issue like that pop up. You know, now this 
buyer of the property that you're describing, you know, there's potential for them to, you know, look at damages. You know, that should have been disclosed to me. Now I have a $2,000 sewer repair that's going on or something like that. So uh, always better to over disclose than under. Yeah. And I like the approach of when you close escrow, you're closing the book. In other words, you don't have to worry for the next couple of years whether or not, oh gosh, I hope that roof doesn't leak or I hope uh, this doesn't happen. Yeah. So. All right, you mentioned an acronym, TDS. Let's get into that one. Yeah. What, what is TDS? Uh, that's the transfer disclosure statement. Uh, it asks a lot of uh, important questions about the property, like what is included. So there's check mark boxes, right? Um, first question it asks you is, is the seller currently occupying the home or not? You know, sometimes maybe they moved out a year ago or maybe they've had a renter in there for a while. Um, so they have to disclose whether or not they are currently occupying the property. And then there's the checklist, um, you know, what's included. Is there a stove? Is there an oven? Is there a microwave? Is there solar? Uh, what type of utility? Are you on public? Are you on private? Do you have a well, septic? Uh, and if there's been any issues that have going on with any of those items. So, mm -hmm. uh, and then it goes through and asks a lot of different questions about, um, you know, have there ever been any drugs on the property, death on the property, uh, issues like that? So uh, it's, it's, it is the most uh, important disclosure. Um, it's usually the first one that has to be filled out. Um, and you know, that first question that you mentioned, are you occupy, is the seller occupying the uh, property? That's important because that really tells a buyer how, that how important it is to do a thorough home inspection. Let's say you're not occupying the property. It's been a rental for the last 20 years. How would that seller know if the fourth burner on the cooktop works or doesn't work? Right. Uh, yeah, because they, they're not there experiencing it. Maybe their tenant went in and did a repair and never told them about it. Ah, yeah. So it's always to the best of the seller's knowledge, right? And that's mm -hmm. that's how we we fill out disclosures. So that's us that's a very, very important question. Are you currently or, you know, not currently occupying that property? Mm -hmm. And that really is a fallacy too, that uh, for a seller to think that, oh, no one's gonna wanna buy my house if they knew about that. Mm -hmm. um, there was a home that had a lot of do-it-yourself electrical enhancements. <laughs> uh, yeah, is yeah. that politically correct? <laughs> they really messed it up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But the buyer, went, when it was all disclosed, the home inspector checked it out and said, yeah, this is not good, got to go. And that poor seller probably thought, oh, my, they're going to walk away. Well, the buyer's brother is an electrician. So it didn't mean it. He knew it. He could get his brother in there in, in half of an afternoon and one box of pizza, one six pack of beer, have the whole thing fixed. <laughs> <laughs> so, so much for the do it yourself thing, right? <laughs> um, okay. You also mentioned in, in that TDS the thing about has there been the death of, on the property? Why is that important to disclose? Uh, it's very important for the 
for the buyer to understand if anything has happened. Um, usually it raises lots of questions of, of how the, an occupant passed away. Um, you know, by, by law, uh, we're required to disclose if any, if any death of any occupant within the last three years. Um, there's a lot, maybe there's a religious aspect to it that a buyer, you know, wouldn't want to occupy a home knowing. Um, there's another situation there where a neighbor's going to end up popping by and saying, you know, oh, yeah, so-and-so passed away on the property. Oh, that never got disclosed to me. Um, so, yeah, it's always great to know if there, there has been any death. And no, uh, it doesn't count for pets, people. Uh, I've, I have had sellers ask, you know, my dog passed away. Do I have to disclose that? And we buried him out in the backyard. Um, that doesn't, that's not considered an occupant. Maybe you still want to disclose it in case, you know, a seller goes uh, digging for a, a swimming pool or something like that and finds some bones on the property or something and starts <laughs> to freak out. But, um, yeah, uh, pets don't count, people. How about dinosaurs? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that I, could make you very rich. Ah, good point. Yeah, Jed Clampett uh, hit, hit big uh, time uh, on that one. Uh, well, with that thought, we're going to our first commercial break, so stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 KYNO. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host. And that intro music you just heard was written specifically for this show this week by a brand new homeowner, uh, Charlie Robbins. And Charlie is a musician. I asked him, hey, can you do that and, and kind of make us feel the peace, the serenity and all that of owning a home? And uh, he, he made that just for us. So thank you, Charlie Robbins. In fact, you can look him up on YouTube. Uh, he's got some incredible music on there. I was impressed because I don't think I could do that. <laughs> but one thing I can do is ask a lot of questions about natural hazards and the needs, need to disclose them. And that's where Lisa Swenning comes in. So... Um, you work for a company called Snap NHD, Natural Hazard Disclosures, and what what do you disclose? Give give us an example. Yeah, so we disclose, like I mentioned, all the natural hazards: the flood zones, potential flood zone, fire zone, landslide, seismic, any of those type, which. Some pertain to our Central Valley, some are more in the up north or down south, like landslides. Um, but we also provide information on taxes, which you mentioned, Melarus, which is really important, and a lot of the general public don't even know what that is. Um, so we provide anything on the property that, if it's near a, la a landfill or if it's in an airport influence area, um, all that type of information that most of the general public aren't aware of. Mm -hmm. And when I have to admit, when these first came out, I was thinking, what's the need for this? Because I think the focus at that time was on earthquakes. Mm -hmm. And I, I've lived here in Central California my whole life. I still haven't felt an earthquake. <laughs> now, that could be because I was driving or maybe I'm a little too laid back and, you know, it's like 
uh, just didn't notice it. But I, I didn't think there was much of a need. But and, and also at the time, there weren't a lot of people moving in or moving out of Fresno County, Madera County. It's like, so we, knew, we know what's here. But how about if somebody from out of state decides to move to Tulare County? Mm-hmm. And actually, Tulare County is probably a big flood area. They used to ha- have the Tule Lake, mm-hmm. and that's where the term Tule Fog comes from. Mm-hmm. So, because it's a low point in in the whole Central Valley, mm-hmm. so yes. you go and build that mansion out on couple acres out there and all of a sudden it's like whoa where's all this water coming from absolutely yes there are a lot of flood zones in Tulare County so knowing I like to tell my clients my agents real estate agents um, order that NHC at the beginning order it at time of listing with your prelim and your TDS reason is is for something like that so that all potential buyers know right away if this property is potentially in a flood zone or a fire zone those two things you know may need extra insurance that might not be something that they could afford so knowing right from the beginning is super important for buyers mm-hmm. all right so maybe they can review that before they make an offer or if not before it immediately after their their offer is accepted and they're still inside of their contingency period. Mm-hmm. Or even uh, the buyer's agents, you know, giving this information to their buyers that they're going to be showing homes to, letting them know right away that this home is in a flood zone. Do you still want to go look at it? Insurance mm-hmm. might be needed. Um, just having that information, you know, the NHD in the beginning was more on the seller side. I like to say that even to my buyer's agents, go ahead and get that NHC um, because then you're not wasting your time with your buyer, showing them homes that might be in one of those zones that they won't be able to possibly afford. So, and it's not just flood and flood insurance that may or may not be needed, but uh, if you're in a high fire severity area, yes. Um, that can make your insurance cost prohibitive. Yes, yes. So both of those you're going to find in the NHD if they're in one of those zones. So yes, a fire zone will be stated in the NHD. So, And if you're in a high, to severely high fire zone, fire insurance is going to be needed. At what level, that's something that you would want to talk to an insurance agent about. Um, same with the flood zones. There's mm-hmm. different zones. You know, there's flood zone A, there's flood zone X. Um, so deter- finding out, you know, which flood zone the property is in will help you determine whether insurance is needed. And if so, possibly how much it would be. Well, fortunately, our board operator is an insurance agent uh, with Farmers Insurance, Bobby Thistle, or excuse me, Robert Thistle. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The question I have for you, Bobby, is um, let's say you are in a high fire hazard area or in a flood zone. Is there a time when you cannot get insurance or is it just a cost factor? It's going to be a a cost factor because... 
if you're in a higher fire risk area, you're going to use the California Fair Plan, and they're, they're required to offer you insurance no matter where you are. It just might be really expensive, and then you might want to think twice about buying that home. Same thing with flood. I mean, if you use FEMA flood, it's gonna, they can offer you flood insurance. It just might be really expens expensive depending on what zone you're in. Okay, so, so it's all good this, to get quotes. All this adds into the cost factor, which means what, or that's how you're going to de to determine whether or not you should buy that home or not buy that home. But it might have a great view, <laughs> and then you have to ju uh, you know balance it out. Mm -hmm. um, Javier, I'll bet you've been there went with a client who's had to balance out things like that great view versus the added risk or costs uh, on insurance yeah it's it's always definitely you know the buyer's ultimate final decision on cost versus you know amenity ah there you go yeah i like that one do you mind if i steal that one from you and, and <laughs> you use it in the steal it. cost you versus the amenity yeah. i like that uh-huh all right so um lisa Besides flood and um, and fire, there's what, what's this thing about a dam inundation area? Mm -hmm. it, and by the way, for all our listeners, I was not cursing. <laughs> I, the dam inundation area is D-A-M, as yes. in a water dam. Yes, yes, and that's a potential flood zone. Flood insurance is not needed if you're in that um, area. What it's basically telling you is if the let's say the Friant Dam broke um, that particular home is in a path that FEMA has mapped out that could that water possibly could get to um, but that being said it's less than one percent so the probability of it happening I probably I don't know I'm going to be struck down here with all this water that we have right yeah. now that's I hate for it to happen but it it shouldn't happen and that's why insurance isn't needed but it has to be disclosed just in case no worries all Californians are being struck down now I mean all this rain is um and snow yeah. is surprising everybody yeah. yes it, it's crazy and the amount of water a lot of areas are are flooding that don't normally flood so and it may be an area that actually isn't in a flood zone so um, it'll be interesting just like all of the fires that we had a couple of years ago you know the maps you know are in the process of being changed um, FEMA changes the fire maps and the flood maps so I that is in the works but when they will actually come out we are not sure yet I got a good one for you on FEMA. That's the Federal Emergency Management Agency. My sister works for FEMA up in the San Francisco area. And at first she was a little bit upset with me because I knew about 100-year floodplains, 500-year floodplains, and, you know, I was encroaching into her business. <laughs> then I told her, hey, FEMA has done a really, really good job of disseminating information. I mean, even a realtor knows it. <laughs> then she then she felt good yeah. <laughs> it's like oh yeah we are doing our job uh, and that information comes out in the nhds that's that correct. that's how i learned about it mm -hmm. every transaction javier and i do as a realtor um we we've got to have an nhd mm -hmm. natural hazard disclosure so if 
we do our job and we review it, we're going to know about that kind of stuff. That's yeah. I think a, a great point to bring up too, though, is um, my wife has had several calls of, from agents, properties that say they're in a flood zone, mm-hmm. but the homeowner has never had to pay flood insurance. Maybe because the house has been, the lot has been elevated or anything, or maybe there's an elevation certificate that's been provided on the property. So they will go in and look, and she can better describe that on what they do for about elevation certs and stuff like that. Okay. That's right. That is a whole different topic (laughs) elevation certificates. So we're going to get into that on our next um, segment after we get back from this commercial break. But as we go to the next commercial break, I want you to know I did get a text message. I ended the last one saying about dinosaurs being buried. And I got a text message from a good friend saying, uh, no dinosaurs, they haven't buried you yet. (laughs) You must think I'm old. (laughs) All right. Uh, We'll be right back from this commercial break. Thank you. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and here in the studio with us today on this beautiful winter Saturday morning, we have Lisa Swenning of Snap NHD and Javier Cavazos of Fusion Real Estate. And uh, you guys remember back to September? No rain? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Kind of nice weather. Oh, yeah. (laughs) All right. But now we are talking rain. Here we are, March 2023. We're getting our fair share of it, and then some, and then some more, and then some more. (laughs) Anyway, in the last segment, we touched on elevation certificate. Mm -hmm. What is that? So you you will, in the NHD, if the property is in a flood zone, the NHD will provide a flood certificate for you, telling you which flood zone it's in. So if it's in, let's say, flood zone A, which needs flood insurance, there's a spot on the flood certificate that's also going to talk about an elevation certificate, which is also known as a LOMOC letter. What that is, is the person that, let's say they they bought this two acres and they built this home, but when they bought the two acres, they loved the view, but it was in a flood zone. And they knew that, but they still wanted to build their home. So they knew that they could do what's called an elevation certificate to have the home taken out of the flood zone, which means they had somebody come in and bring a whole bunch of dirt where they were going to build their structure, their home. And they elevated the structure out of the flood zone. So they brought in all this dirt, they built their structure, They had somebody come out to do the inspection. There's somebody that does this type of inspection. And he sends it to FEMA. FEMA decides if it was done properly. And if they say yes, then on that flood certificate, there will be a case number and a date that says that the structure, the home, is taken out of the flood zone. Now, the property is still in the flood zone, which the new buyer would need to know that maybe that there's not flood insurance that's needed on the structure but the property is still in that flood zone so if that buyer wanted to build a barn or build 
another home on the property, it would be good for them to know that that is still in a flood zone and they would need to go through that process as well to get it to where they would not have to pay flood insurance. Boy, I could see where that would be important to know. Even if the home is elevated high enough and it's not in, you still need to know about the rest of the property. Yes. What if you build a workshop? Exactly. Yeah, and you store antiques in there or something. Exactly. Yeah. So it's important for them to understand what that means, that mm -hmm. yes, your structure is good to go, it's safe, but the property is still in that flood zone and the possibility of it happening could could arise. And there are areas of California that have had what, what you said, where they bring in fill dirt and add to it. Mm -hmm. They've actually done that to expand the city limits, mm -hmm. as in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. They have extended out into the, um, the bay with something called liquefaction. Mm -hmm. And that becomes more earthquake prone. Mm -hmm. Now, you might say, wow, Don, how did you know about liquefaction? <laughs> I love it. That's because I actually read the NHD. <laughs> and that's so important to do. At least I always tell my clients that just read it once, at least read it once. And just so that you know everything that's in it and what it, what everything means. Yeah. It, uh, before somebody takes us up and says, oh, I'll, sure, I'll read it in 10 minutes. Uh-uh. It, it's about 80 pages long. <laughs> well, ours is 45, so, you know. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> so you get to the point. Yes, very much so. <laughs> APN specific. Yeah, yes. don't build there. <laughs> Period. <laughs> well, and that's um, like you were talking about San Francisco. A lot of builders, you know, will buy a big plot of land and it's in a flood zone and they'll have to do the same thing. You know, they'll have to come in, bring in all the dirt to get all of the subdivision, you know, lifted out of that flood zone. Yeah. One of the questions in the TDS is, uh, is there any fill on the property? Oh, that's a good point. Mm. Yeah. Page two of the TDS. Yeah. yeah fill dirt. And, and, and it, you know, I'll say this, most sellers, when they're filling that out and they read that question, you see them roll their eyes, but that's, you know, here we are in the central Valley. You don't see landfill that much, but other areas of California. Yes, you do. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yes. Especially. Yeah. Up North down South. Yes. And the mm -hmm. liquefaction as well. Yeah. All right, so that's the elevation certificate. Let's go to fire hardening. What does that mean? Fire hardening. So that means there's, in the NHD, it's going to provide you information on what it means to harden your home and what it means to have your home in compliance with defensible space. So if you're in the mountains, those are two things that, that the fire department actually, they, they monitor and they drive around to make sure that the homes are in compliance. And if they're not, you may get a notice on your door. Um, the hardening is the hardening of the home. So if the home has a shake roof, that's something that needs to be changed. If it has a single pane windows instead of dual pane windows, if it has um, a deck or siding that hasn't had that fire resistant sealant put on it, the gutters and the eaves in different places have to have the metal mesh on top of it so that, you know, pine needles, things can't, can't be a little collecting place for embers to start the home on fire. 
So those are things as far as hardening your home. Mm -hmm. uh, the defensible space is the area around your home. So there are different rules for that, you know, um, bushes and trees, you know, the bush has to be, there has to be a six foot, you know, opening between bushes and trees. You can't have wood piles close to the home or underneath your deck or on your deck where it's convenient when it's snowing outside and it's cold. <laughs> uh, but there's, you know, um, all of your brush needs to be mowed down. There can't be anything underneath your decks that could start on fire. Uh, so there's the good thing about the NHD is there there are links to those two things that take you to Cal Fire's website that explain these things so clearly. They did such a phenomenal job with explaining to the general public what they need to do. They even have a little video. I mean, a eight year old could watch this and understand it. So um, hmm, I might do that. <laughs> <laughs> also. Uh, they made it easier for the realtors when they sit down with their sellers with the uh, decision tree. Yes, yes. So Carr came out, you know, with the FHDS because of all the fires. The FHDS is what? Is the fire hardening and defensible space form. Okay. okay. So they came out with that. I knew that. <laughs> I know you did. Um, but then they all... They also came out with the decision tree, and that is something that you would fill out prior to the FHDS because the general public was having a little trouble filling out the FHDS. So the decision tree is a form that asks them questions in a clear way for them to be able to answer, and then that information is transferred over to the FHDS for them to sign. And I think it's important for homeowners, home buyers, home sellers to walk around the property and just take it from a step back a second and say, oh, wow, there's a tree branch laying on top of the roof. Mm -hmm. That can't be good. Mm -hmm. um, or there's a bunch of pine needles in the mm -hmm. in the uh, rain gutters. Uh, yeah, that is something that during a fire season can touch off right away absolutely yeah. and the other thing in the nhd is there will be a link that it's a form for the, the either the seller or the buyer that could fill this out to have the uh, fire department come out and do an inspection of the home uh, the outside of the home there is no charge right now for that it, it is something that might take a couple of weeks to get the fire department out there though so mm -hmm. again ordering at the time of listing and knowing if this is needed right from the beginning is super important so you can get that set up and get them out there to see if there is anything that does need to be done um, it is not a requirement though to do for to sell the property it's just one of those things that if, you know for more information yeah okay so in the nhd we talk about all these hazards floods fires earthquakes how about the biggest hazard of all taxes <laughs> <laughs> What's this thing called Mellow Roos? Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, do you, would you like to talk about that? Okay. Or do um, you want me to? <laughs> so Mellow Roos was designed to help builders um, create their subdivisions. It was a way for the builders to pass on costs uh, over to potential home buyers. So Mellow Roos could include uh, monies supplied for uh, walkways, lighting, street lighting, street lighting, neighborhood parks, 
that are within the property. So basically each property that falls within the Melarus has a certain amount of tax um, that goes on to pay for those things. And there's usually a time limit. It could be 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Um, so when you're looking in the NHD report and you see a Melarus, it'll tell you exactly how much of the tax portion goes to pay for that. And it should also tell you the time limit Okay. So that way you have a better idea of how much longer uh, the home buyer is going to have to be responsible to pay that as part of their taxes. Okay, mm -hmm. so it's an added tax. That, uh, I got you. Added to your property tax, yes. Yeah, so it's important mm -hmm. to know that so that you know what your eventual um, uh, cost of that housing is going to be. And, and to give a little background on that, typically a developer, the, the builder, uh, pays for the infrastructure, the, mm -hmm. the streets. It's not the city that pays for that. It's the builder, the developer, the streets, <clears throat> the sidewalks, the, the street lights. Mm -hmm. And uh, that can become very, very expensive. Yeah. And so as a way of keeping costs down on a home, they'll pass that on through yeah. this mellow roost. Mm -hmm. Mellow roost, that's two different names yes. of the legislators who came up with this tax idea. It also includes um, the development around the new subdivision. Okay, so for instance, Riverstone. Um, we have a Melarus mm -hmm. and we have an HOA. <laughs> mm -hmm. But out there, they also take into consideration that there's going to be schools that need to be built. There might be a fire department that needs to be built. They, they look at what else is going to need to be in this, around this community that isn't there already. <clears throat> if you notice, a lot of our communities have, of course, grocery stores, fire departments, schools, um, different things like that. That's what they also include in that cost of the Melarus is the development around mm -hmm. that area as well. All right. Interesting. So very important that the buyer knows about this in advance. Yes, because it, it could be anywhere from 150 to $250, the Melarus. So that's an extra tax, you know, to your property tax that they may have to take into consideration for the next 30 years, 40 years. Yeah, or if you're year one or if you're year 29. Right. Oh. And it's ready to fall off. Right. Okay. That's good to know. With that thought, we're going to our next commercial break. So stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio 940 KYNO. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and here with us, helping us out today, we have Javier Cavazos of Fusion Real Estate, and we also have Lisa Swenning of Snap NHD. We've been talking about disclosures, how important it is for a home buyer, a homeowner, and a home seller to know what about their home. <clears throat> you wouldn't go buy a car and um, not have it checked out by a third-party professional. I mean, unless you were getting a smoking hot deal. <laughs> the problem in homes, smoking hot deal might mean fire hardening. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. 
Let, let's talk about some homeowner tips. How can you best protect your investment um, this weekend? What, what can, let's say somebody has a spare one hour. What can they do with their home in that spare one hour to protect their investment? Well, I think with the weather, um, we ended up with a beautiful day today. Um, tomorrow, we're supposed to be having some rain. Um, so maybe the best thing to do today would be is make sure your gutters are clear, right? Make sure there isn't any extra debris um, or anything that could, you know, maybe block your drains and stuff. So that way you don't have to worry about a little bit of flooding that may go on. Okay. Uh, that's good. And, and so often um, when we show a home, you look up and you see pine needles and leaves coming out of the rain gutters. Or here's something I see a lot of uh, in the valleys on the roof. Mm -hmm. You've got mm -hmm. tree debris piled up mm -hmm. and that just creates a dam inundation area. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did have those big winds that happened a while back, uh, just last week, the 50 to 60 mile per hour mm -hmm. gusts and stuff. There's probably a lot of debris in those valleys and stuff that are going to make their way down into the gutters. And That's a good point. So. so you might say, well, <laughs> I cleared them out last summer, but maybe you ought to go look again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So take a walk around all four sides of the house. Or in the case of one house that I'm thinking of, all six sides. <laughs> <laughs> it was a hexagon <laughs> home. Yeah. yeah. Nice. <laughs> uh -huh. All right. What? Let's see. What else can we advise our listeners for today? Today's going to be that nice, beautiful day where you can go out and do a little yard work, mm -hmm. housekeeping. Check your trees. You know, we've had a lot of trees that have blown over as well and branches that have fallen on cars. I know I had friends that that happened to. So, you know, maybe check the trees and see if how stable they are. Ooh, that's a good one, Lisa, because I don't think I've seen as many trees blow over as I have in the last mm -hmm. month or two. Right. Yeah. Um, right. And our... our um, or what are those things called in the ceiling? The, <laughs> the little, sprinklers? the little vents. Um, the wind the, turbines. The ones that where you have to put in the little um, filter thing. Oh, your air conditioning. Yeah. Your intake. Those probably really need to be cleaned too. I mean, again, a lot of yeah. wind, a lot of dirt, a lot of debris. Those are probably nice and filthy. Maybe check those too. Okay, honey. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was a honey-do request. I'm right liking yes. this, a to-do list. Yeah. Thanks, Don. Oh, all right. <laughs> and Lisa, what else can you tell your husband to do today on this nice, beautiful day that he says uh, is going to be nice? Yes, yes. So there's all kinds of things. Uh, the beeping little uh, sensors in the ceiling. It's funny how I don't know the names of all of them, though. <laughs> There's smoke, smoke detectors. detectors. Smoke detectors. Smoke detectors. What yeah. else? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. <laughs> that should be an annual thing. Yes. Change change your batteries out on your smoke yes. detectors every yes. year. So here here's a good question, and that is probably 25, 30 years ago, no, 30 years ago at least, smoke detectors became law. You have to have them in the homes. Right. Mm -hmm. Why is it that we realtors are putting in so many smoke detectors still <laughs> 30 years later weren't why weren't they there before 
That's a really interesting question, Don. That was 10 years before I got into real estate. So you'd probably be a great source of knowledge on that. <laughs> 30 yeah. years ago, why? Because people are using the batteries to put in their remote control for the TV oh. and forgetting about the importance oh, of that yes. smoke there detector yes. or, ca or carbon, carbon monoxide yeah. detector. Right. Yeah. yeah. So make sure your homes have those. Um, all right. I heard a good one from a home inspector many years ago. He said when he's looking at a house and he's up there on the roof, and looking at the roof, he says, I try to pretend I'm a drop of water. How am I going to get into that house? <laughs> and so, you know, it's important that I learn from him. It's important that you periodically, maybe not every year, but every few years, have the roof looked at. Mm -hmm. You know, have tar or mastic put around the flashing. Mm -hmm. uh, look for slip tiles. That's that's crack common tiles. with oh, cracked yeah. tiles. Crack tiles. Very common on a tile roof. Yeah, I think there's a common misconception when people hear about a 40-year tile roof or a 50-year tile roof that it's not going to leak for 40 or 50 years. That's not what they're telling you. They're just saying that the material used to create the tile won't degrade and, you know, like turn to dust Yeah, in essence and stuff. That doesn't mean it's not going to crack or slip, which is still going to lead to possible leaks. Mm -hmm. All right. He also, this home inspector, taught me that um, you look around the yard and once again pretend you're a drop of water. How are you going to get into that house? And there's low points. Uh, there could also be high points. Sometimes people build a flower bed up too high mm -hmm. with dirt, and, and now it's above the mud seal of the home. And so now moisture can get in through the stucco because mm -hmm. the stucco is uh, porous mm -hmm. to some extent. So, mm -hmm. and then uh, in the case of fire, you know, look at it. And how are you going to, uh, if I was a flash of fire, mm -hmm. how am I going to get in that house? So that's how you protect your home. Absolutely. And especially in the fire zone areas, you know, making sure that any work that you are doing outside, you're doing it first thing in the morning, you know, and especially in the summertime, you want to do it as early as possible because you don't, you want it to be cooler. You don't want to be doing something in the middle of the afternoon where something could accidentally spark or the lawn mower, your weed eater is super hot, hot enough to start, you know, a flame or anything mm. like that. So that's always a good point. Do things in the morning uh, when you're in the mountain communities. Okay, so on the honey-do list, that gives you the afternoon off. <laughs> now that you're here on the radio show in the morning, you don't have to work today. And luckily, we don't live in the mountains. Oh, yes, yeah. yes. And then tomorrow, it's going to be raining, so you're off the hook, Javier. Uh, it's a good weekend. Although, uh, I definitely got to watch the pool water level. Yes, that's uh, a good one. That's a lot one. of rain. Definitely watch Tell us pool. about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, during the last big set of rain, um, we had what four days five days i mean it was it was coming down pretty good and the wifey of course is like what <laughs> happens if the pool floods over uh it could flood the rest of the yard luckily our landscaper put in a lot of great drainage and everything but in an instance you know if your pool does go over the top level it could flood the yard so luckily i had a little small pump that i used to clean the um the water heater with uh, so i set it down into the shallow end of the pool and i pumped water into the drain so it would run out 
uh, out of the yard and I, dro- I was able to drop the pool level about an inch, inch and a half. Yeah. And then the next day, I mean, or that night, it was just raining buckets. Yeah. And, you know, it probably, it might have gone over I think the it edge of the pool. So. If I wouldn't have told you yeah. to go do that. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm going to have to agree with her, Javier. <laughs> All right. Uh, in 30 seconds or less, could each of you give us, what do you want our listeners to remember most about today's show? Let's start with you, Javier. Well, as a, as a home seller, definitely disclose, disclose, disclose. If you're going to sit there and ask your realtor across the table, should I disclose? Probably means you should. Ah, good one. Lisa, how about you? Order your natural hazard disclosure at the time of listing. Know who you're ordering from. It, it, learn about the different companies and ask your realtor who they use and why um, so that you know everything that you need to know about the property. All right. Excellent. And I want to thank all our listeners for tuning in today. I hope you learned a lot and we still got some good weather out there so you can get out and take care of that, that perfect investment that you've made in your life. <laughs> so thank you. And we will be back again next Saturday. Thank you. Goodbye.